Training, mindset, integrity, incremental improvement. What can you do better today? Start right here with the Pendola Project. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Pendola Project. As always, I'm your host, Matt Pendola, along with my wife, Erin Pendola. Hello. Today, we were going to talk a little bit about therapy, massage therapy to be exact. We are both LMTs, and we thought we'd talk a little bit about why we do what we do and give you a better idea about why you might want to use a massage therapist and also a little bit more about what you may want to do on your own even without a massage therapist. So, Aaron, I guess I would start this off by saying why did you become a LMT in the first place? I decided to become an LMT maybe the first year that I was a trainer, maybe the first couple years actually, Uh, and I realized that I could help people getting stronger in the gym and being more efficient in their movement, but I liked the idea of adding in a little more hands-on approach, and as a trainer, you're technically not supposed to do that. Um, unless you have an LMT license or, of course, if you're a PT, chiropractor, things like that. And it has been just a really good combination. Uh, Generally, it's a nice feeling when you know you've helped someone feel better throughout their day when they've come to see you. Yeah, and I agree with that entirely. That's also why I got my license, and actually you, you got yours first, and then I started to see some of the things you were able to do with your clients because you had your license and made me realize that that was pretty, for me, it was necessary as a strength coach. And especially, I think, because when I'm working with athletes that really do, at times, need some intervention, they need some uh, manual therapy, if you will, and again, that hands-on approach, I feel like I'm able to to do that with a lot more, not only a license, but also a lot more knowledge. And I learned a lot more about the why behind what was being done. So for me, I'm very interested in how the mechanics, the body mechanics are working. So getting my LMT license, of course, you have to learn that a little bit more and a little bit more in depth as well. I feel like then when you're just going to work as a strength coach. And even though um, as a strength coach, you should know your action origins, insertions, innervations, et cetera, of the body, it's, um, I think it's pretty well known that, that that's a, a bit of a gray area and, and I think a, a weak area for many, many coaches. And that's not to say they're not good coaches, but we know that we're really put in a position to learn more um, because we have to pass an exam. We have to pass a national to get our license. We have to pass this national test or exam to uh, be able to display what we can do for our clients. And so that to me did push me a little bit further and, and get me to understand the body a little bit more. So I was grateful for that experience. And At the same time, I also feel like I learned at times what my clients could do more of on their own than I realized. Yeah, and one of my favorite uses of massage therapy recently, well, recently, I say in the last five or so years, um, is kind of we work it in almost an inner set 
thing where if I have an individual client and we're doing a drill um, or an exercise and then say they'll say oh you know my right hip feels a little bit tight or my shoulder you know is kind of bugging me and then I can get in there and actually like pinpoint and say okay let me see what I feel let's do this and then we can resume the movement and now they feel better just in that moment yeah and that's when I say that I realized that people could do a little bit more on their own. I'll give an example of, say, somebody has uh, tight traps, right? So when you, when I say traps, just think about, um, you know, just a, around your neck and, and above your shoulders, that area there. And I see that, of course, there's a lot of value in having somebody work on that area, get you to relax a little bit more and really work on the tissues around your neck and your shoulders and and of course um, that's that feels good and that has a purpose but as a coach i can also instruct that client on better breathing mechanics i can have them box breathe i can teach them ways of really using the muscles that are supposed to be engaged in their normal posture and their in, in good posture, I should say, which also relieves those muscles like your traps from getting as stressed. And so I think that, uh, in other words, chest breathing, shallow breathing, those, those type of breathing mechanics do lead to a lot of stress. And that is why the client does need to have some extra work done, but really teaching them how to prevent that from getting too stressed in the first place was something that I actually learned at a little bit more about as an LMT student. That's where I actually learned a lot more about breathing mechanics, for example. And it gives you a different view of the body because you can obviously have the visual when you're watching somebody perform an exercise or a movement, but then it's a different story sometimes when you actually get your hands on that person and you can palpate and feel different areas that may be under stress or more tension. So it does kind of give you a different view. You get both sides of the story a lot of times. Yeah, and when I have a client that, let's say their their lower back is uh, always a problem, right? So they're in pain, they have uh, maybe a chronic aching in their lower back, and that's something they've been dealing with for a while. There, there may be some things that I can do to help them along with that and I am appreciative of the fact that I have that ability with my license. But again, that's where I think the follow-up is also important. We oftentimes will give our clients some sort of assignment or protocol. I say oftentimes, it really is, I think, pretty much all the time. But if you have a tight psoas, which connects to your spine, right? And that is a hip flexor in your body. If that is tight and it's pulling on your L4, L5, your lower back, in other words, then that can cause some lower back pain. So in that case, the tissue work will give some immediate relief and, and circulation, et cetera, relaxing the muscle tissue. And just even the client knowing that you are doing something to help them, I think can be very beneficial. But then from there, we also, I think, have to do our due diligence and teach that client to do some what I call strength stretching. So in that case, I would teach them to do a glute bridge where you're extending your hips up 
from the ground towards the ceiling. Your hips would be facing the, the sky, the ceiling, and your back would be on the ground, and you would simply squeeze your butt all the way until you can't extend your hips anymore while you're keeping your ribs down. Now, in that position, you would probably notice that you get a pretty nice stretch through your hip flexors. So that would be an example of a strength stretch because you are igniting really or squeezing your glutes and really activating your glutes to the fullest extent, then the hip flexors now have no choice but to start to stretch and to relax, which will help that person from getting that lower back pain, especially if they are doing it on a daily basis. So that's, you know, for me, that is also as an LMT, what I believe we should be sharing with our clients. And I didn't start out like that in my massage career. I went to, I graduated in 2009, so 11 years ago. And at that time, my mindset was just, I'm going to help you feel better right now. I'm going to do what I can. Um, and I get that. I used to get that question out like, well, how often do I see you? And it was kind of like, well, it just really depends on how, how long this work will last for you. But I wasn't adding in the other side of it that you're saying to the loading, um, and learning from you and seeing, seeing how, how that result is so much better when you do add, um, the, the, the mechanical loading aspect of it after, has changed my my outlook and I even find clients that don't come in for that reason they do come in they just want a nice massage they just don't they don't you know ask me for any additional um, exercises more often than not we'll be talking during the massage and I'll say oh this you know this area feels a little like is your right hip bugging you more than your left hip well yeah I've been having these problems so it's like oh okay well what have you been doing they tell me what they've been doing and by the end of the session I'll have given them some advice on some other exercises. So it kind of just has been a, a process for me, but I do believe that, um, it's, yeah, it's definitely more beneficial that way. If you can educate your, your client to, to be able to follow up on their own and just continue feeling better, not just from the massage. Yeah. It's, I love that. I love educating my athletes on how their body works and what the really the goal is when we're working on an area of their body or a training progression for that matter. But I, I think that's an important subject to talk about because not everybody wants to do daily assignments or, you know, they don't want to do their homework. But we know if they're not doing protocol in the glute bridges that I mentioned before, in that case, the lower back is going to start to possibly hurt again and we don't want that so it's important that we educate our clients on why it's important and i think that if they really understand they're more likely to buy into it and to do it because they don't want to be in pain they don't want to go back into being in pain and then on the flip side of that i think that some professionals at least this is what i've experienced can be um, they, they are almost like withholding information because they, they may think that their client needs to come back to them that way or keep coming back to them. And, or they'll just say, oh, they don't care about that. That's not why they're here. And that's not my job to teach them that. But I, I think I'm on the side of the fence that we should educate our clients. And by the way, if we do that and they're feeling better, 
the last thing that they're going to do is drop you. And, and in fact, I think that they're probably going to recommend you to even more people. I was just going to say it works the opposite way. Um, the, the better results, the better your client feels when they walk out the door. Definitely, they're going to they're going to recommend you. Uh, they're going to be return clients for sure. Yeah. And so what about when it comes to you train and work with more of, I think we would say our executives, our aging athletes, I tend to train a little bit more with athletes that are in their prime or uh, very, very competitive and, and, um, and, and really still in that higher level of competition stage of their life. So we deal with, I think, different mindsets a little bit. Not always, but some, some of our clients definitely have a different mindset. So with, with my athletes, I, just being quite honest here, I think that I would lose interest as a coach if my athlete was not following up with their assignments and what they needed to do to be able to improve their performance and also to help to prevent uh, ongoing chronic pain and and, uh, long-term injuries, right? So there's at least that effort that I need to see from my athletes. And if it's not there, it's not that I don't care about the person, okay? It's not that I don't care about the athlete, but I do have a limited schedule and I probably would move on to an athlete that's willing to do the work. Now, if they're doing the work and they're still having problems, that just challenges me even further to figure out what am I missing, right? And that makes it fun and challenging. But what I'm saying as an LMT and as a strength coach, I like that challenge, but certainly my athletes have to do their part. And I think that's where it may be a little bit different. So uh, for, for those people who are striving to be at the top of their competitive uh, life and, and that stage in their life where really reaching the podium may be a little bit more important, I think this speaks to you pretty well that you will hold yourself accountable. And I don't really have much of a problem with that with my athletes doing what we talk about doing because they are heavily invested in those results. But for you, Aaron, I know you deal more with people that, um, again, they might not necessarily have this kind of time that my athletes have either. So to be fair, they, they have some time constraints as well. So how do you deal with that? Yeah. In general, I mean, I definitely have a very mixed clientele. I do have busy executives that just they just want to relax for an hour you know they just want that quiet time where they don't have to think um they don't have to do anything except lay there and relax and that's valuable to them and so that's what they want out of out of the session so that's what they get and then I do have on the other side of that people that deal with say yeah chronic low back pain and those are the people that I will say okay we can do this work but I'm also going to put you on our app and I'm going to assign you some corrective exercises. So whether they choose to do that or not, I mean, I honestly don't like keep tabs necessarily on that, but I give them, you know, they're all adults. They can choose for themselves how they, how they want to, to do that, but um, at least give them the opportunity to learn these things that could further their, their, you know, healing process, further their feeling good about, you know, going on their day to day um, life. So again, yeah, I don't, I don't have to really, um, 
keep tabs on that, but I do offer that for people that are in need of that or like any any kind of chronic thing that bugs them. Okay, so speaking of things that that bugs you or or us or people, let's let's talk a little bit about maybe some of the the influences out there because I I do get bugged a little bit when I hear about how there's certain forms of massage therapy that it almost sounds well too good be, to be true which I believe it is and like it's going to heal a person and I, I take uh, I I have a problem with some of the wording that is used at times because uh, coming from with my background my mother she passed away from cancer and I will say that it probably is a trigger for me when I hear about something that is going to heal you or it's going to correct something that you're dealing with. And we're really not in a place to say that as, um, as licensed massage therapists. Um, and any really good therapist, I don't think they even use those kind of words to begin with. But I don't like a person to buy into something like that, thinking if I get this area of my body worked on, I'm going to a healer, and this healer is going to correct this. They're going to heal my issues. And, um, you know, without getting too personal, I'll just say that my, my mother did buy into those kind of things, and I it certainly didn't serve her in the end. So th- those are things that I um, personally do get triggered by now how do you feel about that it just brought to mind our last episode that just came out thursday with my our dear friend blair zika and she is more on the subtle body energy side of the the healing spectrum and she says it so well i am stealing her words and she said it much better than this but her belief is that everyone is their own healer. And she says that from more of, like I said, the energy, the spiritual side of things. But it also holds true for the physical. So we can guide you and we can help you and we can support you and we can give you our recommendations and what we think is going to help you. But in the end, it is up to you to go through that process and, and do the work. Just as you would, you know, in, in the gym doing a training session, I can't, I can tell you how much weight to lift and I can tell you what I think is good for you, but you have to put that work in. Um, and yeah, with the massage therapy, you, you can be your own healer. I can give you, Matt can give you tools, but in the end it's up to you. Yeah. We're a good coach or therapist is there to serve you, but not so much to do. Well, we can't do anything for you like you just said i think you said that yeah perfectly. we can't we can't fix you right yes and so that being said i i do think hey if if you have good intentions about what you're doing uh, and that's you know your intent as a therapist um, is it should be there to help your client get out of pain or help them to move better or help them to relax more just to feel better period that's wonderful, but that to me is different than saying I'm going. This will heal you, or this this will end up fixing your problem. Yeah, no, no guaranteed results here. <laughs> right. So, um, and we can talk about something like knee pain. Now, there's uh, several times where I've talked about 
DNIC. So that's diffused noxious inhibitory control. And that mechanism there can be, uh, well, it can occur when a massage therapist is working on the tissues around the knee, for example, and you're doing some trigger points, those trigger points may be even quite painful to where you, all you can think about is uh, the, the level of pain being an eight or a nine or something like that in uh, a trigger point where your therapist is pushing their thumb or digging their thumb into a muscle, right? So like the soleus, right? So just just behind your knee and that deeper calf muscle, that's one that oftentimes really triggers people, right? And, and, it, and it can hurt. Um, although I do try to, to keep it manageable so we're not, we shouldn't be putting them up to like an eight or a nine in a trigger point. In, in my mind, that's not what my goal is. But that being said, that can also be a bit of a distraction to the client to where now they're not really uh, feeling anything in their knee, are they? They're, they're paying more attention to the area you just trigger pointed. And then in turn, their knee can feel better. And that's, I will use a tool like that, a trigger point like that, just to get them up and moving. But now I want to mechanically load them, do something like Spanish squats, which you can look up if you'd like to be able to help the knee to bend and move a little bit better without being in pain necessarily it it doesn't mean that it's not going to hurt but oftentimes we can get people in pain-free uh, bent knee positions after doing some sort of uh, self myofascial release or some sort of therapy with something mechanically loading like a spanish squat and now they're able to get into their training and complete that training without having pain and, and in turn, now they're getting those muscles stronger. So the quads are able to get stronger and help to stabilize the knee as well as the glutes and so on and so forth. So that to me is a process that helps our clients to take that next step in their training instead of trying to grind out training with knee pain. So that's where I like to use something like that, but it has a specific purpose to it. Um, I personally don't like to just trigger point somebody and then have them walk away without actually doing any mechanical loading, like I mentioned, in order to, to help the body to adjust to the appropriate stress to get stronger so we can get out of pain. Yeah, and just to, again, reiterate the point that if you're if you are listening and you're one of those people it's like well I just get a massage because I like a massage well there's absolutely nothing wrong with that and I see you know quite a few um pregnant females that are just you know need to that same thing they just want to relax they want a little tension taken off their hips and their shoulders for for an hour and just just purely not have to think about anything for that time so there is absolutely nothing wrong with that if that's what you are seeking out of your massage therapy session. Yeah, no. And I think that's a really good point. I had surgery a couple weeks ago and it was just, it, the highlight of my day was when you would come up and just rub my head and uh, work on my temples a little bit and around my jaw. It just felt so good and relaxing and helped to take the, the pain away from my headache 
pain was just debilitating at times or it felt like my head was splitting. So um, I totally get that people sometimes just need to have hands on, help them get out of pain, help them feel better. And that's the, that's the only intent. I certainly didn't do any um, exercises when I was recovering from uh, from my surgery. And in fact, I wasn't allowed to. So it was really just about feeling better. So definitely has its, its point and its purpose there. And I would finish up this conversation today with stretching, because I know that stretches are oftentimes a part of what uh, massage therapists are doing. Even on the table, they do assisted stretches. We were taught to do assisted stretches in school. So I'd like to talk about that, whether or not you do that at all with your clients anymore, why you would do it, and um, give people an idea about what they can do or should do on their own as well. Uh, I don't really, I guess I don't really do that. I mean, again, it depends on the situation definitely movement in the joints like the hips and shoulders when I'm working on somebody we do I do incorporate like I'd say assisted mobility I guess more than stretching you know kind of moving the scap around moving the hip moving around just seeing where there's some stickier points but it it's kind of along the same lines that you're saying I won't really do the the passive stretching but afterwards I may say hey I want to show you this this end of the table psoas stretch I want you to work on or here's here's a really great stretch for your shoulder girdle that I would like you to do at home something like that so it kind of falls in the same line of giving them the tools so that it's not always me having to stretch them or because they won't know when they get home like well wait how do I simulate what I just what just happened so um, I've kind of switched more to that modality now of giving the information to them. Okay, so I would finish off my part with just an example about educating yourself on what's going to work for you, what's not. When it comes to stretches, and I agree, Aaron, I don't really do much as far as stretching my clients go. I like to teach them things that they can do, especially on a daily basis on their own, but also whether or not they even need that stretch. So, for example, hamstrings are oftentimes misunderstood as well. So, I have tight hamstrings. That's, I'm told that all the time. And sometimes we do have athletes that have tight hamstrings. But if they can keep their back flat and hinge at their hips and give me and show me good range of motion, so they're reaching down to their toes or pretty close to their toes. And that shows me they have some pretty good flexibility there. But, you know, if they can't, if they don't have that range and they have to round their back in order to do that, then we uh, may teach them some things, some stretches to do. By the way, if you're going to stretch your hamstrings, very important that you do it with an anterior pelvic tilt. And so that's where, if you imagine the top of your hips, you're pointing your top your hips down towards the ground as you are stretching. That's, to me, the only really good way to get a hamstring to, to stretch and also respond to the stretch in the way you want it to. So that being said, oftentimes it's actually going to be a strength issue. So if I can see that the athlete is actually able 
to get to establish the range of motion that we're going through through the hamstring, then it probably is a hamstring that needs more strength and needs more attention there. So there's uh, a Nordic curl that I give, an assignment I give a lot of times, or an RDL, or it might be a slippery floor hamstring curl. Things that, again, you can do on your own. Those exercises are, you know, easy to look up to. But if you're ever wanting to see these exercises from us, you can go to our website, www.pindolatraining.com, and we do have these videos on our app as well. So gives you an idea, though, about having to put yourself through range of motion versus strength and why that is in part what we need to know and what you should be finding out from your LMTs. If you go to get work done, I think you should be evaluated. You should, you should be uh, getting some information back, some assignments, especially if you ask and just understand that I'm on the side of the fence that there's no bad exercises There's no bad training, really. There's just why. Why are we doing this? So although a lot of my athletes don't need to do a lot of static stretching, there are some stretches that will certainly serve their range of motion. And we may be doing that in more active sets or even static sets at the end of their day, at the end of their training. But again, it's really understanding, do I need this stretch or do I actually need some strength here? What do I need and why? All right, guys. Well, that is it for our episode today. We hope you got some useful information from us. And you can always email me, Aaron at PindolaTraining.com. Get in touch with us via Instagram at Pindola Project. Thank you so much. 